Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I worried. Worry is a strong word. Well, I will say that I noticed that I didn't think that the Republican Party of Indiana was prepared for the abortion conversation. And I stated that if the special session happens, and they're going to discuss this at the special session, and they don't come up with something regarding where the state of Indiana is on abortion with the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court, properly done as I see it based on the constitutionality, there is no right to privacy in the Constitution. There is no right to abortion in the Constitution. If we want a right to privacy in the Constitution, we're going to have to put one in there. That's going to require an amendment. I am not opposed to going after such a thing. I just don't know how it's supposed to work. I'm all ears. I am pro-privacy. But I note that in the Constitution, there is no right to privacy uh, spelled out that way. There is... uh, the, the Fourth Amendment, which is a protection against search and seizure. Well, I, I favor this, and I favor privacy. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, or particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That is a privacy protection, different than a flat-out statement of the right to privacy. And as I just read that, there's nothing there that says the word privacy. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Thus, uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned is proper because there is no right to privacy, although that's what justices wanted to say was uh, the 14th Amendment argument, and there is no right to abortion that exists in the Constitution anywhere. If you want to create it, you have to create the law. I don't stop people from trying to do such a thing. I may disagree with such a thing. That's a very different conversation than stopping somebody from trying to do the thing. If you want to raise taxes to 400% of income, I oppose such a thing. It doesn't mean that you can't vote to try and do such a thing. Difference. But when it comes to abortion, Indiana is going to have to decide what it wants i made the argument early on that i believe this is going to be a state of nuance this is going to be a state that says okay after this many weeks we don't allow it here are the cases in which we do allow it you often hear uh rape incest life uh, of the mother and 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 i think that's going to satisfy i think that's where indiana is of course this won't be good enough for the indiana democratic party because they want Absolute abortion all the time, everywhere, anywhere, anytime, for any reason. Why ask? As a matter of fact, the Democratic Party now has a new mantra uh, coming from uh, their senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren. And the new mantra says, not only should we have abortion everywhere all the time, but those crisis centers that help people make decisions other than abortions, those should be shut down. In Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. Can we discuss the level of ghoulish that is? 
We need to shut them down because they're not offering up abortions. It's like she hears the word abortion. She starts licking her lips. Mmm, sweet, sweet abortions. Oh, that hits the spot. That, does this sound like somebody who's hinged to you? Pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. In Massachusetts. Pregnant person. Again, again with the nonsense. Only women get pregnant, people. Only women get pregnant. Only women will ever get pregnant. That's the end of the conversation. I was talking about the uh, transgender insanity that we were seeing on Capitol Hill with Senator Josh Hawley. I don't want to get back into it right now. But then they'll, they'll claim, of course, you're leading to people's suicide. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. I can't say that one enough. Don't tell me that I cannot speak rationally and truthfully because somebody else will get so triggered by it, they'll commit suicide. Suicide comes from within. It's about how you feel. Having been there myself, it is about you, not about outside influence. Don't tell me I can't have an honest conversation because if I do, somebody else might commit suicide. That's an abuse of me and the likes of which I will not take. I, my words, my words will lead to somebody else's actions. They're not responsible for their actions. I have to be responsible for my words, so I'm not allowed to speak freely. And you don't care what happens to me because what do I now feel that I can't speak freely? What does that do to my psyche, my soul? How does that damage me? Oh, they don't give a damn. As long as you don't say, uh, you know, reality, which is men are not women and women are not men and men cannot get pregnant. Men have never gotten pregnant. Men will never get pregnant. That's the way it works. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Pregnant persons. And, And by the way, I should be clear. Elizabeth Warren is going to be a top three contender for president in 2024 when Biden doesn't run. You know, all those articles that you're seeing about Biden this and the problems there and the New York Times putting out a bunch of pieces. They know the guy's a tool. They're aware. It was an interesting piece uh, from Stephen Miller who made the claim that what what we're seeing, he's got in the Washington Examiner. The bailing on Joe Biden comes from his very timid response to the Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. He wasn't strong on, on, on abortion, and so now Democrats are dismissing him. He hasn't engaged in executive action. He isn't fighting hard enough, so Democrats are like, okay, you turned your back on our religion, and abortion is a religion for the political left, based on their platforms, based on their agenda, based on their conversations, and so now, they're, now they feel fine in, in turning their back on him. It's an interesting take from, from Miller. Not Miller, yeah. Uh, Stephen Miller, different than the guy who was in the White House. Different Stephen Miller. Very interesting take. I actually appreciate it. I thought it was, I thought it was, a, a, you know, a a worthy thought of of how how deep a, a uh, mantra and an ideology goes. And you can decide for yourself whether you agree or disagree with it. It's in the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. Check it out. But this all comes back to Indiana. And it comes back to what it is the Indiana Republican Party is going to do 
vis-a-vis abortion, I argue they're going to engage the nuance. But I said I don't trust the Republican Party to get this done in the special session, which uh, it was Governor Holcomb who very clearly said, we're going to address this. I'm a pro-life guy. We're going to address this. I thought he was very, very bold. I wasn't used to it. This is a guy who doesn't take strong opinions. This is a guy who refuses to engage on the social issues, won't stand up for parents when they're called uh, domestic terrorists, Uh, vetoes legislation that protects young girls in sports. Again, the transgender insanity conversation. So he hasn't been strong on these things. He's been very weak, very quiet, uh, very much afraid, and people have noticed, and it's been a massive turnoff, his lack of leadership on some of these issues. He doesn't have to hit every issue, but some of these things require a, a governor to stand up for the citizenry. And calling domestic, uh, calling parents domestic terrorists should have had a very forceful and multiple forceful responses from Governor Holcomb Minton. So now he's quoted in the pages of the IBJ, the Indianapolis Business Journal, stating uh, that he has no red lines on abortion restrictions. But then he goes on to say that his comment didn't imply that, quote, anything goes, unquote, and that he would, quote, never approach any issue that way. And he stated, what I meant was, I have not laid out any ultimatums to say this is what should be in or shouldn't be in or can be in or couldn't be. Oh, okay. So you were strong and now you don't have an opinion? You said we were going to protect life and now you're not discussing what should be in or shouldn't be in? You're not going to give any public direction at all. No statement of bring me a bill I can sign that does this. You're not going to do that? You don't want to take the hits from the left and you don't want to take the hits from the right. Because just as much as the Democrats in Indiana want unfettered abortion all the time, you definitely have people on the right who want no abortion at all. End of list. Of course you do. What, are we kidding ourselves? Of course. Of course there are Hoosiers who don't want any abortion in the state of Indiana at any time. The answer is no. This is what the, the leadership is all about. You might decide this based on uh, on, on a religious ground. You might decide, you know, for, for yourself or a moral ground. And then people can disagree with that, and then they can go about um, uh, voting you out of office and changing the law. You might take a look at this and go the, the nuance route, which I believe is what the state's going to do. No person's 100% happy, but you get the thing behind you. And there is a political reality to that. The people who are pro-life are going to say to me, Tony, you can't be dismissive of life. I hear you. I'm discussing the political reality. And political realities is that sometimes you don't always get what you want. But as you have learned, you keep fighting for what it is that you want, and eventually you can get there. You proved it. You proved it. But you proved it on a federal level, and the state level is going to be different, and you have to accept the fact that you might lose on a state level, and you're going to have to keep fighting. I only hope you're aware of that. I think it's very important. I think that the the polling happens to be accurate with the idea that people want abortion to be legal, but they also want it to be rare. And if we go with the... See, for for the right, it would be, an, I want to argue it would be extreme. I think you actually have a, a less of a percentage 
of people on the political right who want abortion gone outright versus the people on the left who want abortion at every level, including infanticide. I think it's actually a much greater number for the political left. I would, I would, I would love to, I'll, I'll see if I can grab some data that can kind of back me up on that, on that theory. But when you're the governor of the state of Indiana, you might have to make a statement. You might have to put yourself on the line. And they're not. They're not prepared. Their governor is now backtracking and waffling and and not engaging in any strength. And they delayed the session, although it started July 6th. They delayed this conversation to July 25th because they weren't ready. What I said, what we said, and what else did we say? If they go through a special session and they don't have something, voted on and this has to go to the to the to the regular session in january all you're doing is giving the political left time to raise capital to be able to engage this fight every single day of the session you enjoy that during a budget year enjoy it knock yourself out have fun you had the leak the leak from the supreme court can we know who the leaker is already You know, John Roberts, why don't you tell us? The leak of the draft from Justice Samuel Alito. You had months since that leak before the decision from the Supreme Court, the the, the final decision. And you uh, you don't have anything? Have I mentioned that the Republican Party of Indiana is inept? Because they are inept. It's not my fault. I mean, it's it's not my fault that you weren't ready. You weren't. You couldn't handle this moment. And if you don't have it handled, it's only going to amplify. But how do you expect the Republicans to have it handled when you don't have a governor who's uh, making a strong statement? Well, is he going to make? The, is he making the strong statements in private? That's it. We're keeping this all very private. Keep it hush hush. He already put himself out there. He already said that he was ready for something strong and protecting of life. Now it's 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 what? It's classic classic Holcomb. In the need for strength, he shows a lack thereof. I wish it wasn't like this. I I I, like you, I have no idea what has happened to the dude, considering he doesn't talk anymore. My last conversation with him was not enjoyable at all. It was private. I I won't go into details. Um, Man. That's, uh, it was not an attractive look. I'll I'll leave leave it right there. I'm going to leave it at that, Producer Ari. I'm going to leave it done right there. Done. But it's, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning that they're not ready. It's stunning that there's backtracking. Just giving the political left opportunities to punch you in the face. And, oh, they will. But it doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities for the right. You've got people like Ryan Mears, prosecutor for Marion County, saying he wouldn't prosecute uh, uh, anti-abortion laws uh, in Indianapolis. Throw them out. What are we doing here? You don't get to pick and choose. What kind of prosecutor are you? 
you prosecute based on the law. If we're not going to prosecute things, I don't want to prosecute people who don't pay their taxes. I mean, if we're going to pick and choose, that's what I'm picking and choosing. If you didn't prosecute people who don't pay their taxes, you know what would happen? More people would move to Marion County. You know it, I know it, we know it. But Ryan Mears, he's going to be tough. I'm not going to prosecute. You know, the people get to vote in November, and they, they, should, they should remember that. They should remember that a lot. Keep it here, guys. I'm Tony Katz. So very quickly, my take on Trump versus Elon, because Elon Musk has decided not to move forward with the purchase of Twitter, saying Twitter is not being forthcoming with information, so I'm not going to give them $44 billion because they have not explained how many bots there are, how many fake accounts there are. Twitter says, well, we'll see you in court, to which Elon Musk has said, great, now in court you'll have to provide me all the documentation I want. This is wonderful. Meanwhile, Trump has come out to call Elon Musk a BS artist and said it in full. But let me tell you how great Truth Social is going. I only hope Truth Social is is, is successful. And then Elon Musk is saying it's time for Trump to hang up his hat and sail into the sunset. You know, uh, the last thing we need is Trump. He's like, look, I'm not uh, opposed to policies. It's just too much drama. Do we really want a bull in a china shop situation every single day? Also, I think the legal maximum age of start of a presidential term should be 69. Trump will be 82 at the end of his term. Too old to be chief executive of anything. If DeSantis runs against Biden in 24, then DeSantis will easily win. He doesn't even need to campaign. And then Trump is claiming that Elon said he voted for him, and then uh, Elon saying it's not true. And I'm gonna. I, I, this is the last time I'm gonna report on this. Yeah, who I cares? I honestly don't care if these two have a fight at all. Oh, what was that? I said, yeah, who cares? I don't. Exactly my point. I, like, I know you don't. No one does. This is such a two. These two dudes fighting is like pointless. I just don't need to be a part of it, right? Elon not buying uh, Twitter, I I honestly believe, is because of Twitter failing uh, to to do their job. They didn't provide the information as needed. And uh, if these two are going to fight over who's running, who's not running, and Musk has already signaled his support for DeSantis, good. Just, Just leave it be. Let let them fight. Unless it helps me win elections, I'm not interested. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Filed under duh comes this headline. Being hangry is real. Study links hunger and irritability. This this needed a study? I, I want to get paid to do this study. 64 participants in Central Europe who reported their hunger, anger, irritability, pleasure, and arousal levels five times a day. Or as producer Ari calls it, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 
Greater levels found of self-reported hunger were associated with greater feelings of anger and irritability and with lower pleasure. This is this is not a this is not a thing. You don't need a study to do this. Even accounting for people's gender, age, body mass index, and dietary behaviors, the findings remained significant. You know, hangry is that word. It's, it's hungry, and it's angry, and it's put together. It got added to the Oxford English Dictionary in 2018. Bad-tempered or irritable as a result of hunger. It... it I just want the gig where I get paid to study things we already know the answers to. So I could just take the money and not have to study anything. Because I, I can study this just in myself or in my kids when they have low blood sugar, which is real. Because sometimes they'll forget, like they'll forget to eat. I'm like, how do you even, I don't even know how that works. How do you forget to eat? And the difference, you, it's, it's like you can see the switch. You're like, oh, okay. At first, you don't know what it is. You don't know why they're acting this way. And then it's like, what is the world's going on with you? And then you kind of notice after, you know, you're a parent, you, you, you know, you're a kid, and you, know, you kind of learn their rhythms. You're like, oh, okay. And sometimes you're forcing food on them just so you don't have to deal with it later. It's not just me. It is not just me. That happens often. Then uh, on the other side of hangry is just flat out angry. Because there is a flat out angry. And when you take a look at this inflation, 9.1%. That'll make you angry considering considering um, that, that you have an administration that wanted to tell you that inflation was nothing more uh, than than transitory. They lied, as we all know. And it is out. Headline CPI much hotter than expected, up 1.3%, up 1.3%. In order to find a higher month-over-month level, we're going back to the same year as the up 1.2 in March was the previous high of this move, and that's 2005. If you strip out the all-important food and energy, and the Fed's much more reluctant to do that these days, it's also hotter, up seven-tenths of one percent. The high watermark there was all the way back in April of last year when it was up nine-tenths, and that was 1981 level. Seven-tenths? Well, seven-tenths is the smallest number since then, and if we look at year over year, this is really hot, up 9.1 percent, well above the 8.8 we are expecting. Expecting and 9.1 percent puts you at 1981 because 1981 covered 8.9 all the way up to 11 percent. And finally, the year-over-year core, which is becoming much more important to the Fed, up 5.9, also higher than expected. It's all higher than expected. So some of those numbers involve month to month, and all, then some of those numbers are year to year, and then you have this idea of, of core. They take out food and energy, and that's still higher. How is it that the Biden administration is responding to this, making the claim, as uh, Brian Deese is doing there with, I believe it's Neil Cavuto, that, you know, all of this is, is just, it's just backwards-looking. Backward looking is not an answer.
Well, well, look, uh, you know, a couple points on today's report, as you just said. The first is, you know, it's backward looking and it doesn't reflect what we've seen over the last 30 days, which is a significant decline in gas prices down about 40 cents. Uh, that June report, about half of it was driven by energy prices and we've seen uh, moderation since. But the second point is that in the core, inflation uh, remains too high, which is why we need action. And I just want to underscore, if there's one thing to take away from this report, it's that there is more urgency now than ever in Congress moving to pass a bill to try to build more domestic semiconductors, to try to bring down the price of those uh, goods. You see across this report, things like used cars and new vehicles, those prices holding up, that is not principally driven by demand. It's driven by supply and constrained supply. We know how to solve that. We should have solved that months ago, but we now have a moment. We need to do that. If there's any takeaway from this report, it should be that. Forgive me, it was with CNBC. It wasn't with Neil Cavuto. And that's Brian Deese, the same guy who wants this global world order, global liberal order, uh, or liberal new order, whatever, it, it, whatever, whatever Orwellian kind of thought could freak you out. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about spending. If you argue that inflation shows off the month before, if the inflation rate was 6.5%, they'd be crowing about it. We have seen gas prices go down a little. I'm very pleased by this. It doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. So if we start talking about it right now as gas prices are going down, everything's better. You still haven't solved a series, a multiplicity of problems. And when you say it's not forward-looking, you're right. This is about what happened last month. But we were told things were going down and it went up. You keep telling us this economy is massively strong and then shows that it wasn't. All last month, Corinne Jean-Pierre was telling us how strong this economy is. The White House press secretary, all she told us day in and day out, week in and week out, was how strong this economy is, in her own words. We look at where we are economically, and we are in a strong, uh, we are stronger economically than we have been uh, in history. When you look at the unemployment numbers at 3.6%, uh, when you look at the jobs numbers, uh, more than 8.7 million of, of new jobs created, that is important. But now... If we discuss it, it's backward looking. So she lied. She lied about things being stronger, better. It's not the case. The Dow futures went down so great this morning. Just boom. Now, whole market could be back up by the end of the day. You know, they, they go through things. They determine things. They, they still find ways. So we'll see where, where the market ends up. But it's just this idea of of how they 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 try and prop, put out the proposal, the proposition that things that matter somehow don't, and things that don't somehow do. You know, they had a big uh, hearing yesterday about the January sixth committee. I I made sure not to watch it. I mean, I was flying back from Vegas. Uh, the whole thing. I don't know. Can you hear it in the voice? Do I sound like I have a cold or do I sound like Suzanne Plachette? I think I thought it was a little bit like I have a cold. And so, sorry about that. 
I, I think tomorrow the voice will be fine. I just need another day of, of solid sleep, which I haven't gotten in, in the past few days. I was there for a cigar conference. Uh, it's called the PCA, the Premium Cigar Association. And it's where the retailers meet with the manufacturers. And it's, it's important because the, the, the retailer gets squeezed on a tax conversation about online buying. So people buy cigars online and, and very often you don't have to deal with the tax. But the retailer always has to deal with the tax, so therefore their cigar costs more. So they're working from a deficit against the online shop. Bit of economic conversation. So how does the retailer you know, deal with that? What, what is the way to, to counteract that? Well, there, there's a couple. And one of them is about knowing who these manufacturers are, being able to, uh, you know, uh, get the best supply at the best price they can for, for themselves. And also what the expertise of what a local tobacconist can offer you. Uh, I assume you'd feel this way about clothing or, or eyeglasses or a host of things. My, my oldest got their glasses online, found the frames online, and then went, I forget where to get the, uh, the, 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 the lenses put in. Me... I don't feel I could shop that way. So I utilize somebody local for, for my glasses, for my eye exams and, and, and everything else. The people who are utilizing a local tobacconist, for example, they get the benefit of, of, of expertise. You know, what do you, what do you want to smoke? What do you don't want to smoke? Well, that depends on, on, on what do you like? What's your palate like? Well, I don't know what my palate's like. Okay, well, let's start with basics. Uh, what kind of foods do you like? What kind of meals do you like? You know, in, in, in general, restaurants. Um, what do you have an affinity for? Uh, how much time do you have? All those things will go into a, a, a flavor profile of a cigar and a style of cigar, meaning the size. The Vitola, V-I-T-O-L-A. So it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, conference for a Premium Cigar Association. And as media, because of, of Eat, Drink, Smoke, the Cigar and Bourbon Show, we get to go and I'm staring right now because I've been I've been uploading uh, the interviews. Oh, one, two, three, okay, six, twelve, eighteen, twenty, twenty-four. We did twenty-four interviews that I have here in three days. So that's eight a day, producer Ari. For those of us playing the home game, math is fun. That's eight interviews. A d- what was that? Math is fun. It is, um, and then we've got a bunch of of, of other stuff. Uh, so it, the the tax conversation, this inflation conversation, is applying to this business as well, because a uh, they're they're at a deficit because they're or they're at a disadvantage because they have to compete with the taxes, um, you know, dealing with uh, the the online retailers, and then the inflation conversation. Everybody's getting squozen. One of the biggest conversations from the manufacturers is, you know, tobacco they can get. But there's a whole problem with boxes. And you're like, what in the hell does that matter? Well, boxes about presentation. If we're talking about marketing. Much of cigars is in the marketing. How do you share your story? How do you present your, your craft? They can't get the wood for the boxes. They can't get the hinges for the boxes. And there's a difference between a box that opens up on a hinge and one that has a slide opening, right? You just slide off the top in terms of how that cigar is perceived by the end user. It's crazy. Then, oh, you want one of the big ones? 
I will share these interviews. I, I promise. I promise. We just got to get them edited up. I had two different um, cigar manufacturers explain, we don't want to get political. We don't want to deal with the politics. But immigration policy in the U.S. is having a serious detrimental effect on our business. And I'm like, well, what are you referring to? People are leaving Nicaragua, leaving Honduras, heading for the United States because they've been told this promise of being in, being let into the country. And those are people who work in, uh, in, in, in the factories. And now we have less people to, to roll cigars and make our cigars. U.S. immigration policy, or I should say the lack thereof, is doing significant harm to the cigar industry. And the cigar industry is amongst the highest paying in all of these nations. The most protective, the most willing to work with the people who 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 are working there to take care of them. It's huge in that regard. Huge. But if you've been told now you just go to America, they take care of everything. And that's what people are getting told. They're getting told, you go to America, they take care of everything. That's a, that's a real serious issue. Just one of the many things uh, I learned. But inflationary pressure, man, they're dealing with all of it. And that's cigars. And when I hear uh, uh, Brian Neese there from the uh, Economic Advisors talk about chips he's talking about spending he's talking about more spending this is a, a a radical argument we have to do this we have to do that is there ever a moment that these people stop spending and the answer is no 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 and he, and he tries to you know make the claim that look i'm not just being a keynesian here Right, the idea that you got to prime the pump, you got to be spending, 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 and that gets the economy going, and that's what leads uh, to to a better result. That Keynesian economics is nonsense. And the guy from CNBC says, "You sound like somebody who just wants to spend all the time." No, look, I think you have to look at the unique situation that we're in as an economy and think about how do we build more supply? How do we increase the productive capacity of our economy so that we actually can supply more goods, bring prices down? We know the answer on semiconductors exactly. We need more supply of those goods. You were just talking about housing, same issue. Obviously, mortgage rates are going to increase as, as the Fed continues to tighten. But as we do that, we need to keep home builders building supply because we know that at core, the housing issue is a lack of affordable supply. It's been a decade or more in the making, but as we move through this transition, providing incentives, for example, for builders to continue to build affordable homes as we do so, that's, that's, that's out of the traditional box of fiscal, uh, you know, Keynesian fiscal stimulus. It's more about how do we actually invest to build more capability here in the country that will help bring down prices in areas like semiconductors and housing. It's more spending. We, we've, we've evolved past uh, John Maynard Keynes. Well, thank goodness, but you still haven't evolved into Hayek. You're still spending. This administration is just going to ruin us. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.
Saturday, July 16th, Eat, Drink, Smoke will be live at Premier Arms in Brownsburg. 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg. Everything at PremierArms.com. Tony Katz, so good to be with you guys. My Cigar and Bourbon Show, Eat, Drink, Smoke. Uh, myself, Fingers Malloy, and then Guy Relford, host of the Gun Guy Show. Uh, he'll be there, so we will. the event starts at 3. Fingers Malloy and I will be going live on air at 4. And then 5 o'clock, it is a live Gun Guy Show. And we're raising money for Brownsburg Blessing Boxes. We're going to help feed people in need. And we're happening, happening at Premier Arms in Brownsburg, uh, making this whole thing happen. 3 to 7 p.m., there'll be a food truck so you can buy food. Beer is being uh, provided by Noble Wine and Spirits. Greatly, greatly appreciate them on Connor Street in Noblesville. And you give a $100 donation, and you get a chance to win some amazing, amazing prizes. You'll be eligible, like two custom-made Cox Arms USA uh, firearms. Come join us Saturday, 3 to 7 p.m. Bring a couple of bucks. $100 gets you a chance to win some amazing prize packs. We'll see you Saturday, 3 to 7, Premier Arms in Brownsburg. Until then.